in this series, It's a Wonderful Life. But this week we're focusing on something else, and we've already got to that point, and that point is, how in the world does somebody who's lived such a wonderful life and who has helped so many people end in, in that spot? How do they get to a bridge ready to take their own life? Again, you've probably all watched this movie before, and it's never quite hit you that it was that dark, but yeah, that's, that's what he was on that bridge to do. Thank God he got saved from that. But actually, the Bible shares a lot about that theme. There's actually several stories of individuals who were used by God for a long time, did a lot of good, helped a lot of people that ended really, really poorly. I mean, really bad. In fact, ended taking their own life, and not just taking their own life, but just ended up in a big mess. Uh, The first one that I'll just bring to your attention, you may remember his story, is a man by the name of Samson. Now, when we hear Samson, we remember at least all the men in the crowd remember from young boys hearing those stories of Samson and his superhuman strength. Samson, Samson was the only man on planet Earth who was stronger than our dads, right? Samson was awesome. Well, Samson ended really bad. Now, Samson, the main goal, you know, or God's main call in Samson's life was to save his people from the Philistines. The Philistines were coming at will and just slaughtering God's people. And, you know, if somebody was coming into your house, uh, wiping out your kids, you'd probably get a little defensive, right? Wouldn't you want to protect them? So God's getting protective and he's, you know, he raises up Samson to protect his people from, you know, this enemy. But Samson, you know, and now Samson was in the book of Judges. He's one of the judges. So he, he's got a 20 year run. We read the stories and there's just a few stories, but there's a 20 year period in which Samson is leading Israel judge. He's called a judge and leading, but Samson starts out great and humble and with a great heart and doing the right thing, but he ends. And here we're going to, we're going to read here of close to the end. And here he is in the bed with Delilah. Ooh, the evil woman. There's not an evil Mr. Potter in Samson's story. There's an evil woman. Now, the evil woman, that's another series we're going to preach later on. Um, But that's not this one, right? But here he is uh, uh, in bed with, she's a Philistine. She's one of the enemies. He's in the enemy town. And let's just read of, of what happens. And this is really the beginning of the end for Samson. She, Delilah, cried out. This is after she's cut his hair. It's been quite a process to get to this spot, but Delilah cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. She is a Philistine, by the way. She, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, would you read this line with me? I will do as before. One more time, say that. Say, I will do as before. That is such a key to this, to his life and to the point we all become creatures of habit, creatures of routine, and we all keep going back to the same spot. And because God uses us in similar ways, we all have giftings. And so we go back to the same place. And if we're not careful, this will happen to all of us where we're good at something. So we keep going back to it and we just assume that that's us. Here's, here's a line that I think you'd do. You, you might do well even to write this down but to remember this, that God grants his grace so freely that every human being takes his grace for granted. We all do. We all do. You you can't, you literally cannot remain thankful for everything he does. He's given you air. 
I mean, can you thank him for every breath? You can't. We all take his grace for granted. It's just part of life. And, and that's understandable. We're talking about things like air, but we, we, what gets unhealthy is when we think that these gifts that we have are just us. And Samson had gotten to the point, this is 20 years in, where this is just him. And he's just thinking, I'll just, I'll just do the same thing. I'll go right back. But he didn't, he didn't realize the Lord had left him. I know we've all been trained. We thought, oh, the Lord will never leave us. Well, God hadn't left him in that sense, you know. God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave us in the sense that he's not there. What this means is God was no longer going to anoint Samson in superhuman strength. That gift had left him. And the shocking thing is Samson didn't even know it. He didn't even know it. He'd gotten so used to this and so, so relying on himself. This was a gradual process. It started with him relying on God, knowing it was God. And over 20 years, he slowly but surely got to the point where... He just thinks it's him and I can just turn this on anytime I want. I can just do my thing. I can just save. Friends, that's it. When you start getting into a routine and you just take your life for granted, you take your gifts for granted, you take those good things for granted and you quit thanking God and you quit thinking each day is special, that ends in a really scary spot. Now, how did Samson get there? Actually, if you read his story, you're almost tempted to say it's God's fault in a way, but then once you understand how this works, you're tempted to say God does that to all of us because he does. Now, um, do you guys know the end of the Lord's Prayer? Let's just read it. Lead us not. This is Jesus teaching us to pray. There's a few different phrases in the Lord's Prayer. This is the final one. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the end of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus knew good and well this would be the most commonly prayed prayer on planet Earth. But each of these phrases means something. And I've read many, many commentaries. Most of them spend their time trying to explain to you that that doesn't mean what it says. Because God would never do that. God doesn't lead people into temptation. So Jesus didn't mean that. He was just a little bit confused. And here's what he really meant. Um... Jesus meant exactly that, and Samson's story and George Bailey's story and our story is exactly how this rolls. Let's go back to Samson. Just leave that up there and just, just go back to Samson's story because here's how God leads us into temptation. It's not like he sets out a string of cookies and says, oh, come here, I'm leading you into, yeah, just watch, I'm leading him right into a trap. But what he does do for all of us is continue to reward, continue to give us a cookie, if you will, continue to reward us and come through and do good things while we are walking on a wrong road. He does that. He does that. Yes, he does. Now, we'd like to believe that as soon as you grab an electric wire, you just get a shock, but that isn't the way God works. He's good. He keeps rewarding. He keeps blessing even when we're naughty. And he's done, he's done it to us too. He's got, God has done that in every one of our lives. And quite honestly, most of us are pretty thankful that he's good, even when we're naughty. Otherwise, we wouldn't get a lot of goodness, right? But he is. Back to Samson's story. Remember the story? He, well, the story starts with Samson. This is you know years earlier, years before Delilah. Samson's already in a Philistine village. And here's the story. He spent the night with a prostitute. That's... That's the story. That's the Bible story. All right. How many know that before, without even telling their end of the story, we already know this ends bad, right? 
I mean, any story that begins with the man of God in the house with the prostitute, spending the night with the prostitute, you've, I mean, the story ends bad. God lifts his blessing. God strikes him with a lightning bolt and kaboom, right? Wrong. What's the end of that story? He gets up out of bed from the, with the prostitute. He gets up the next morning and his greatest act of strength is the following morning. He's in a Philistine village. They've shut the gates of the city to lock him in because they want to kill him. He's their enemy. Right? So they've shut the gates of the city. Now, we've all watched the Lord of the Rings, and we know that even trolls can't tear these gates off of walls. These gates are designed to keep armies out. Samson gets up from a night with a prostitute, goes and rips the gates off the city wall, carries them up a hill, and plants them for the Philistines to look at. Friends, that is the most superhuman act of strength that God ever anointed him to do. And how obvious is that's God. That's not human. It wasn't that Samson had larger biceps than the average. That's God. Now, at this point, again, this is maybe 10 years into his demise. But do you see how when the, when the Bible says, lead us not into temptation, when Jesus taught us to pray that, do you see how we can be led? You see how Samson, it could be, it could be understood. You could get this idea that God is leading him into temptation. Here Samson is, obviously, is it, is it possible he's spending a night with a prostitute? Is it possible he's slightly off-center at this point? Is that possible? You think so? Or is he bowling right down the middle? I mean, he's walking right down the middle, right? This is not a trick question, guys. <laughs> Some like, ah, prostitute, yeah, that's right down the middle. No, 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 that's not down the middle, right? But that's, God does that. And he doesn't just do it for Samson. God, here's what we'd like to believe. We'd like to believe that God works like, you know, like electricity. And every time you touch that electric fence, you get a shock. You're like, oh, don't do that. And every time you do something right, oh, an immediate reward. He doesn't do that. He doesn't. And, and this is, becomes very tough to interpret for the human brain. When God continues to reward and continues to be good while we're naughty, it's, that's one of the primary ways we're led into temptation. What Jesus was teaching us to pray is if, and it's a big if, if you actually want, Jesus was saying, if you want my will, if that's what you really want, pray this. Pray this because that road, that road of He's still enjoying a certain amount of God's grace. I mean, it slowly wanes. You see that at the end, you know, that spirit, the spirit was take, had departed from him. That gift had departed. But Jesus said, if you really want to go down the middle and to enjoy God's wonderful life, pray this. Pray, God, don't lead me into temptation. What you're praying is, God, don't let me go in circles. God, don't let me be deceived. Don't let me get off center and just keep having a certain degree of reward in my life. Yes, it, it gradually dissipates, but don't let me dis- be deceived. Well, don't let me, don't, don't keep rewarding me when, my, when I'm off center. Help me feel the pain now so I don't keep going down that road because that road ends dark. It ends with you on a bridge ready to jump off. It ends in a ghost town. And if you saw a picture of the before and after, it's shocking. How somebody can go from here to here, but it didn't, it didn't go from there to there in a day. It was this gradual process of slowly relying more on myself, assuming this gift is just, it's just me, and just taking God for granted. How can I tell if I'm taking God for granted? 
your prayer life, your devotional life, your walk with God, your prayer life is like about that tall. Because when you really recognize how reliant on God we are, you pray. You just pray. And and you don't pray just because you've got some religious duty. You pray because you actually realize, God, I need you. I really do. If if, if I'm going to continue to have a wonderful life, I need you. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need you. I need you to come through. I need you to bail me out of my idiot circles. I need you to open my eyes. I need you to help me to see. I need you to take these blinders away. God, I need you. Which, by the way, uh, in the beginning of January, we begin the 21 days of prayer. I hope that you're planning on jumping in. 21 days of prayer, we teach you through the Lord's Prayer because each of those phrases, each of those is so powerful. I mean, Jesus is bowling right down the middle of whether or not our life is going to be a wonderful life of joy or whether we're going to have pain because it falls on a razor's edge. It's the same activities, but whether or not we're going to have a continued life of joy and blessing or end up on a bridge is determined by, are you you actually going to pray this and are you actually going to mean it? If you really mean this and you're really calling out to God for this, God says, all right, if that's what you want. You see, we have a will. And most people, all we ever pray, all we ever pray is God help me. God bless me. Pray this. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Let me give you one other example of one other character just to show this isn't just, you know, Samson, just one-time event. We all, we got, we've all heard of King Saul. Saul led Israel for 42 years, over 40 years. And he started awesome. He ends, the last story is him going visiting a witch because he can't hear from God anymore, visiting a witch and falling on his own sword. That's how he ends. So he ends in the ghost town, but how did he get there? How he got there was that same process of slowly but surely, you know, starting humble, starting relying on God, starting and slowly but surely getting confused. And he gets confused the same way we all get confused because God is still good even when we're naughty. Remember the story of the prophet Samuel, probably the classic story from Saul's life is the prophet Samuel, this is just the classic prophet story. You can almost see the bony finger of the prophet up in the face of the king, just wagging that bony prophet finger in his face. Samuel, our God, has sent Saul, you know, to wipe out the enemy, and this particular place was so dark. It was just, there was just nothing redemptive in it. When you've worn out the patience of God, uh, you've gone a long ways. And God said, this is so dark, I want you to wipe out even the animals because there's just there's nothing redempt to redeem here. Well, Samuel comes and visits Saul after the battle, and of course he hears sheep in the background. The prophet Samuel comes up to the king Saul, you know, waving that bony prophet finger and says, you know, why have you disobeyed the Lord? Saul's like, oh, what are you talking about? I obeyed God. I wiped it out. I did God's will. Samuel says, what's the bleeding of sheep that I hear? And Saul's just making things up as he goes. He's like, ah, um, uh, we saved those for for a sacrifice. That's right. God wants like sacrifices, right? We're going to sacrifice this to God. He's just making it up as he goes, looking at his friends and like. And then Samuel gives this classic line, you know, to obey God is better than sacrifice. 
Samuel turns to leave and Saul grabs on to the prophet Samuel and his robe tears. And then Samuel turns to Saul and gives him this, this, again, this line. This day God has torn the kingdom from you. Turn your page and we all know the next thing that happened, right? Saul's demise. The next day, crash and burn, Saul's over, right? No. Turn the page, turn the next page, the next page. Eight more years of Saul, mostly successful reign. Huh? I thought, I thought, God, I thought God told him that this day I've torn the kingdom from you. How, how can good things keep happening? That's how we get led into temptation. We all have to be able to, to come back after our greatest victories, after things have gone great, and sit down and realize that maybe God is, is blessing for more than just our sake. Maybe our life affects others and he's not just blessing us and taking care of us so we're fat, rich, and happy. Maybe this is about something bigger than us. And maybe we need to come back even on the, our best days and pray this prayer, God, God, it's always possible. Doubtful, doubtful, very doubtful. But it's always possible that I'm off center. I'm off center. I'm, I'm on my own path. I'm going down my own road. God, if that's true, God, if that's true, God, help me to see it. Don't lead me into temptation. Don't lead me there, God. Help me to see it. Help me feel it now. If this road I'm on ends bad, I want to see it now. now. You have to really want that for God to show that to you. Most people don't want that. They want to just... Just take care of me, God. Just feed me, take care of me, make it all good. Well, we see where this is the ending or, you know, the clearest verse towards the end of Saul's life. The spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. And a lot of people say, well, I, I don't think the Lord does that. Uh, well, unfortunately, your Bible says he does. But this was a 40-year process. This wasn't just like one moment. God didn't just wake up crabby and say, ah, I'm gonna do something different with Saul today. This is a 40-year process of Saul ignoring God, slow but sure. And what, why is God doing this? He's trying to get Saul's attention, saying, Saul, this ends really bad for you. So finally, God's trying to help him feel a little bit about where the road ends. He's trying to get him to wake up and change, trying to get him to wake up and say, hmm, maybe I need to go back to church. <laughs> mm, maybe I, maybe 21 days of prayer, maybe I should jump in on that. Yeah, he's just trying to get him to wake up. Here's how it rolls for all of us. And I just kind of put this in a series here. A, if, it was a big, everybody say if. If you're following Jesus, you're going to find your joy in giving, in serving. Just like George Bailey, you're going to find, a, your, your joy is going to end up being helping people, even your own spouse, even your own life. You're going you're gonna to find your joy there. By the way, if you haven't found your service yet, you need to attend the first two weeks. We're starting back in January. The first two weeks of every month are the sessions we call Grow. It's a series endeavoring to get you, to help you to find your place of service because that's your place of joy. If you haven't found that place yet, get into that class. If you've already taken that class and you still haven't found that place, do it again. It's, it's a series of helping you to find that spot, but you're going to find your joy in giving. Now, that's a big if. 
You can, you can believe in Jesus and never follow him and serve him, but if, if, if you're going to follow him, you're going to end up giving. And this joyful giving and serving is also the very same things that are going to stretch you and test you. It's God's design, the very same things that, that are your joy are also the very same things he's going to use to stretch you and test you. Has anybody figured that out, that your greatest joys and your greatest sorrows come from the same spot? If you're married, this is not hard to figure out. Like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. But your work, if you're doing the work God has called you to do, you're gonna, it's going to end up helping people and helping you and being a blessing. It will also be what stretches you if you're really following him. Well, this, this joyfulness, though, that's produced from, you know, using those gifts God's given us, going back to that well and, you know, helping. And, and it's, it's a good thing that we end up in habits and patterns. That's actually mostly a good thing. As long as it keeps from becoming routine to us, it's a good thing. In the Psalms, God compares us to a tree planted by a stream of living water. And that tree is pretty much stays planted in one spot, doesn't it? Do the trees in your yard move around occasionally just to check it out over there? No, they, they're pretty planted, aren't they? And God says, well, that's good. But God doesn't want us to get into routine. See, that's where it gets dark. Yes, we go back to the same places, to those, those same giftings God's given us. It's going to, like Samson, you know, thought he said, I'm just going to, just like before, I'm going to do that same thing. But to him, it was just a routine. Yes, we're going to go back to the same spouse. We're going to go back to the same work. We're going to go back to the same church and the same people. But we're not going to treat it as routine. Where the wheels come off the wagon is you quit paying attention. You quit praying. This prayer that we ask everybody to pray every day, God, send me one person today to share your love with. I'll pray for one. Can we pray that out? Let's say it out loud together. God, send me one person today to share your love with. It is shocking when I pray that and I actually believe it. You know, by the way, that's God's plan to expand his kingdom throughout the world. That, that's his whole plan, really, is he sends people across the path of his people his George Bailey's, he sends people right across your path and just expects you to have your eyes open and say, ah, it, 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 isn't, it isn't always some wild, crazy trip. It's, it's you just paying attention to what he puts right in your path. That's God's plan. By the way, if you don't have one of those pray for one bands, they're we're free out in the welcome center. Just put that blue band, put it on your arm and uh, help you to remember just to pray that prayer because life is different when you're actually expecting God and you know that every day is not the same. But when we just, what, what's normal is we don't treat it special and our life just becomes routine. I hear men, I hear men say this. More than once, I've had a, a man say this to me. I'm just going home to the old lady. After complaining about his marriage, after complaining about how cold she is, you're like, ah, I'm just going home to the old lady. I'm like, oh man, don't say that. Don't say that. You're, 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 reap, you're reaping what you've been sowing, man. You're, you're thinking that way, so you're acting that way, so you're getting those results. Treat her different. Treat her like a queen. Say, oh, say, oh, my lady. So good to have the queen home. <laughs> Might I escort thee to the bedroom or, or the kitchen, whichever you prefer. Ah, the kitchen it will be. Okay, all right, all right. That's good too. I like to eat. 
having a little bit of fun here, but you get the, I mean, don't think that way. And how does that happen? That only happens one way. It starts good. I mean, every relationship, every job, every, it starts good. We just get into patterns and we quit relying on God. We quit, we quit praying for one. We quit praying, God, open my eyes to what's happening today. You know, friends, no matter what you're doing, what if you're here and you're like, well, I'm a, I'm a housewife, Pastor. I go home, I'm with the same kids every day. Are they really the same every day? Really? So they're just the same every day. Nothing different. Is that true? Are your kids the same every day? Or are there days that they're making decisions about the entire future of their life? They're making decisions about whether or not there's even a God based on some of your actions and reactions, based on how good of a witness are you being? Friends, I could go through every scenario, but it is shocking how much of a wonderful life hinges on whether or not we're going to treat our life as a routine or we're going to see it for what it is. Well, when you go through this, we end up in patterns, which are good, but creatures of habit, which again is primarily a good thing. It's the way God made us. We keep going back to the same places, but when we get in routine, we scarcely recognize that we're not experiencing the same grace from God. We're just relying on ourselves. I can do this. I've got this. Prayer life falls off. 21 days of prayer, I blow that off. Friends, during this 21 days of prayer, beginning in January, we're gonna pray, we're gonna teach you through and go through. If you've, if you've done this before, we go through the Lord's Prayer every day and we're gonna go through it again because it's never the same. When you really understand what Jesus is praying, what he's teaching you to pray, those, all those different phrases, he's right in the middle of whether or not your life is gonna be wonderful or painful. You're, he's, he's teaching you to ask. He knows what to ask for, and he's right down the middle of your life. Here's how this, here's how this happens, if this is gonna happen in our life, is God moves us on, and we don't move. Now, when I say God moves us on, I'm not saying he's moving us on to a, necessarily a new marriage or a new life. No, but he moves us on. He asks for more. Does anybody walk with God long enough to discover that the longer you walk with him, the more he asks? He'll ask for more of your life. It's like he thinks he owns us or something. He does. And he'll ask you for more. And when the wheels start coming off the wagon as we just get a little bit lazier, we're like, ah, I'm all set. And we'd like to believe that the moment you do that, God turns off the rewards and just starts hitting you with lightning bolts. But he doesn't. He's good the next day too. He's he's good the next day. He keeps being good and we get confused and we get led into temptation and you end up in a ghost town. You end up where Saul ended up in the witch's house wondering how did I get surrounded by demons? Slow but sure, you just quit relying on God. And finally it's this and we're going to wrap it up with this is us forgetting that this sacrifice, see, George helped a lot of people, but somewhere along the way, George got convinced that he was the savior. Why was George on that bridge? Well, to jump off. Yeah, why was he gonna jump off? Insurance. Why does he need the insurance money? To save people, to save the company, to save, because his company was helping the town. George is the savior. Now again, if you follow God, you're gonna be saving people. You're gonna be helping people. And it's easy along the way to forget that, oh, 
that's actually God. I actually can't do anything apart from him. That's actually God saving people. That's actually God's work. I'm just one of his instruments. I'm one. And apart from him, I can do nothing. So I'm, it keeps me reliant on him and realizing that ah, actually it's Christ in me. It's Christ. He's the savior. Friends, that right there will keep you off a bridge. Recognizing it'll keep you from that, that dark spot. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I'm going to pray. And, but if you're here, and there's more than one of us in this room right now, that if you're just honest as you look at your life, you, you see that there's, there's maybe there's a, just a potential. Just put it that way. Look at your life and say, is there a potential that this drift is happening in your life right now? That slow but sure, you're taking God's grace more and more for granted and it's just a routine. It's becoming more of a routine. There's not much of a prayer life. It's not, not, not much special today because you're just relying on yourself. Now, nobody's looking around, but if it's even possible that's happening to you, let's, I just want to pray for you. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you just lift your hand up right there where you're seated? Just lift your hand up and say, man, I think that might be happening. It might be happening in my life. Father, I just want to pray in the name of Jesus for every hand that is lifted. God, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Help us to see when we're off center. Help us to see when that road ends dark. Help us to see it now before a disastrous end. Help us to see it, God. Can we all, let's all just pray this. Would you just pray this right out loud? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your saving grace. Lord, you're the Savior, not me. Lord, you use me to help and to bless, but you are the Savior. So Lord, fill me with your spirit. Empower me to live a wonderful life. In Jesus' name.